In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's just great to be with all of you. And um, as we start off our family conversation, we always like to start off by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Mary is the mother of God, the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. So let's... Um, Invite Mary to be with us. She's also <coughs> known as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's pray to Mary the prayer that she loves most, and that prayer is the Hail Mary. So, together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual director who is the Holy Spirit. That's right, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many different titles, among which would be the Holy Spirit is the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Counselor. Holy Spirit is also known as the Consoler. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sanctifier. In our pursuit of holiness, the Holy Spirit is key. And related to the first reading today, in which Isaiah says, Comfort, give comfort to your people. The Holy Spirit is also known as the Consoler. When we're going through difficult times of desolation, the Holy Spirit can come to console us and lift us out of this dark night that we're going through. St. Paul reminds us also, he says, we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba, meaning Daddy or Father. So we beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light, a lot of peace, a lot of joy, and a lot of strength. As you pray together, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, 
and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, Pray for us. St. Nicholas, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. Well, guys, angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. So as always, I'd like to encourage you by prayers. And I'd like to pray for all of you in a special way. In the greatest of all prayers. The greatest of all prayers, my friends, is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So as I pray today, offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass, I'd like to place all of you on the altar with your many intentions. First, I'd like to pray that all of us today would make a concerted effort to try to grow in our openness to the Holy Spirit. Because our sanctification depends on, on being docile and open to the Holy Spirit. And this might be this might be your prayer today. Come Holy Spirit come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My next intention, I'd like to pray in a special way for our country, And I'd like to pray in my Mass in reparation for the many sins of the world, but especially the, the sin of abortion and the sins that are attacking the family. That's right. 
sin that the sin of abortion, the sins that are attacking the family. It's like to place on the altar an intention to repair. As one of the modes of prayer that's important, sometimes neglected, is that of reparation. We are called to repair for the many sins that are committed throughout the world. In our country, the sins against the unborn child and the family are two of the most prominent sins that we have to try to offer our prayers of reparation for. All right, in my my last intention, invite all of us to pray for the conversion of sinners. That's right, to pray for the conversion of sinners. Many sinners are lost, a lady Fatima said, because not sufficient people offer up sacrifices and prayers for them. So let's pray and place on the altar the Mass, the conversion of sinners, but especially for sinners that are in, in danger of losing their souls. They're dying right now that through our prayers that they would open up their hearts to God's mercy. As we have in the parable today of the lost sheep, the lost sheep, and the shepherd that seeks out the lost sheep. So those would be our prayer intentions for today that we place on the on the altar. So before moving into the readings and the saint of the day, I'd like to make a, a brief comment today on on the sacrament of confession and Many of you have recourse to the sacrament of confession, but you probably have relatives that have walked away from confession. And I'd like to talk about um, inviting your family members to return before Christmas. This is something you often, I often hear. Well, why should I go back to confession if I'm going to end up by doing the same thing again. That's one of the objections that you hear. My response to that as a priest and confessor would be, well, before you go to confession, make sure that you make a firm purpose to avoid the sin in the future, as well as to avoid the near occasion of sin. Yes, to avoid the near occasion of sin because he who plays with fire is going to get burnt. But I'd like to make another comment and we as priests and we know moral theology as students of moral theology as we should be as confessors And it's known as what is called the principle. It's known as the principle of graduality. And it's this. I'll, I'll like to give you an example so you understand it. 
Okay, I'm giving, imagine I'm giving a, um, maybe I'm giving a, uh, a retreat. As we'll have a one-day retreat this Saturday, a half-day retreat. And there's a man that's in the church who came begrudgingly because his wife said he wanted to come, wanted him to come. So he goes and one of the priests speaks about the importance of going to confession, starting a new life. And there's a priest in the confessional. And he goes in and he says he hasn't been to confession maybe for maybe for 25 years. And one of the reasons why is because he's been binge drinking. He's been drinking for many years. On a daily basis. So he confesses this, receives up the absolution, <clears throat> but during the course of that week, he fell into to drinking. But what happened was, the day after he confessed, he didn't drink. The following day, he didn't drink. But the third day, some of his friends came to visit him and invited him to go down to the bar. And he went down to the bar and he drank Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So there he is in the confessional again next Saturday saying, Well, Father, here I am again. But instead of falling into drinking every day that week, he just fell three days in a row. True, he's back after a week. But you see what he's done? He's actually cut his drinking habit in half in a matter of one confession one week. So even though he has, he's returned to his sin, as St. Peter says, the dog returns to the vomit, strong words. Still, there is, there is improvement in this man. Improvement. So what we have is, this is called the principle of graduality. So if he keeps pursuing Christ through his forgiveness and through his Eucharistic presence. Sooner or later, with the help of God's grace and him collaborating with God's grace, there's going to be victory. So the point I'm making is, in many cases, possibly most cases, we don't overcome our bad habits. We call a bad habit a vice. We call a good habit a virtue. We don't overcome it. Just like that. It takes time, effort, goodwill, and of course, the grace of God. So I thought I would start off by making that, a, that 
pastor will comment on confession and you can invite some of your friends to come. And if they say, well, I'm going to always do the same thing, well, maybe you will, but less seriously and less frequently. That's called the principle of graduality. Okay, let's uh, mark Martinez, one of our friends on Perseverance family, gave, gave us a warm welcome on, in honor of St. Nicholas. So that's true. Today we've got St. Nicholas, we've got Isaiah, which encourages us to comfort others, And to give, to give comfort comfort to the people. And the gospel, the responsorial psalm is, The Lord our God comes with power. And the gospel is taken from St. Matthew. And it's the gospel, short gospel, on the lost sheep that has come back to the fold. So I'd like to talk, start by talking about the saint that we celebrate today, and it's Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas, uh, we don't know exactly, but probably died around the year 350. He's a patron saint of Greece and Sicily and Russia and bakers and brides and children and merchants and travelers and sailors. He's the patron saint of many. According to tradition, St. Nicholas, his parents died when he was relatively young. He left in Nicholas a, a wealthy inheritance. His uncle was a bishop and ordained Nicholas a priest. Now, as a priest, Nicholas was known especially for his helping out the poor. Helping out the poor and those with very serious problems. I'd like to recount one of the most famous stories of St. Nicholas. Of all the many miraculous stories, the stories of his generosity, this is probably the most famous. And it's this. We're talking about around the year 300, 300, the 4th century. There was a poor man who had three daughters. And the first one of these daughters wanted to get married. So, the daughter had to bring into her marriage a dowry which would be a certain quantity of money. 
Fortunately, her father did not have enough money to provide her with this dowry. Now, given that back then women did not work the way women work today, one of the options that the girl could have would be to give herself up to prostitution, at least temporarily. So, being aware of this predicament, Nicholas, what he did was, on the sly, secretly, he was able to get a bag of gold And he threw the bag of gold through the window into the bedroom where the father was was sleeping. The father would have heard the bag of gold fall to the ground and he gets up and he sees there's a bag of gold right next to his bed. He looks out the window and no, no one is there. Because Nicholas took off. He did not want to be seen. So with that money, the father was able to give that money to his daughter, his first daughter, and she was she was married. Now the second daughter, the same thing occurred. Father being poor could not, could not support his second daughter. Nicholas, aware of this predicament once again, knowing that the girl did not have the dowry and there was a danger of the girl falling into into sin, Nicholas once again throws that bag of gold through the window so that the father could provide the dowry for the daughter. So the second daughter was able to get married. Third daughter comes around. Same problem. Nicholas hears about this. And this time Nicholas throws the money in through the window. But the father looks out and saw Nicholas scurrying away. And the man ran out of the house. Caught up with Nicholas. And thanked him abundantly for having provided him as well as his daughters with a dowry so that they could marry properly and not give themselves up to vice. (gasps) So, as a result of that, as, as a result of that, Nicholas has been known as Nicolaus Santa Claus. And Nicholas is really the origin of the giving of gifts, and he's been transferred to the person of Santa Claus. Such that for many years, at least in 
certain countries, the Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland, on the eve of St. Nicholas's feast, children are given gifts. And the United States has always been on Christmas Eve. Gifts are placed beneath the Christmas tree. So there you have, my friends, you have the origin of Christmas taken from St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas who threw in gifts, money through the window so that this man's daughters would not give in to given device. <clears throat> now how we can how we can interpret this is uh, is the real importance in our lives, my friends, of 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 giving to others. Of giving to others. So as we draw close to we draw close to the birthday of Christ in which the greatest of all gifts is the gift of Christ who was given to us by God the Father for our eternal salvation. Let's see if we can start to give. Mother Teresa would say, give until it hurts. Give until it hurts. And there are there are many many ways in which we can give. But I invite all of you to examine their, examine your lives on three ways that you can give. Your time your treasures, and your talents. That's right. How can you give your time, your treasures, and your talents? Your time, my friends, maybe as we draw close to the end of the year, you might even get my book, Roadmap to Heaven. And write out for yourself a plan of life. I think it was a famous uh, Roman poet Seneca who went on to say, it's not that we don't have time, is but rather it's that we misuse time. Meaning that all of us, all of us have 24 hours in the day. That's universal. But the big question is, how do we utilize, how do we employ those 24 hours that God gives us every day? Time treasures. Perhaps, like St. Nicholas, you can give of your economic means. Maybe food, clothing. Something you have, maybe you can give to the poor. 
In time, treasure talents. All of us have been given by God some talent. Look into your lives and see the talents that God has given to you. Maybe it's a talent to speak. Maybe it's a talent to write. Maybe it's a talent to serve. Maybe it's a talent to cook. Maybe it's a talent to visit the sick. Maybe it's a talent to listen. Maybe it's a talent to encourage. Maybe it's a talent to support. Maybe it's a talent of hard work. Maybe it's a talent of joy. Maybe it's a talent to smile at someone. Maybe it's a talent to, well, spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament to pray for many people. None of us, absolutely none of us can say, well, I don't have any talents. We all have talents. And the biggest tragedy would be the parable of the talents that Jesus gives to us, in which one man took his talent, he dug a hole, and he hid his talent in the hole. That we don't want to be our life. We want to rather give the Lord double. So that would be my comment in honor of St. Nicholas. Now let's move from St. Nicholas, who we celebrate today. Let's go to the readings. We start off with Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. It's a very consoling passage where we hear comfort, give comfort to my people. Let's talk about that. Comfort. Give comfort to my people. My friends, the, he who comforts us, another word for comfort could be consoles us, would be The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the consoler. He's the comforter. So I invite all of you to to be more aware of the Holy Spirit. You notice the beginning of our conversation, I always start off by praying to the Holy Spirit. May we always rejoice in his consolation. But also I'd like to say this. That when you you come in contact with someone that's going through a lot of desolation. Try to lift up that person. 
Sometimes it can be something very small. Remember one occasion, it was a Saturday night, I was kind of tired, it was a long day. And someone said something to me. Just a few words of encouragement. And that lifted me out of my desolation. And I was in consolation for, I think, about 24 hours. Due to just a few words of comfort and consolation that this person offered to me. And I'm sure that this person was not aware of the profound positive effect that this left upon me. Another way in which we can try to give comfort to the desolate is the following. This is pretty common for priests, but also you can apply this to your own lives. Okay, I'm in my I'm in my my uh, my room in the church, and this woman comes in in profound desolation, sad, angry discouraged, desolate, and she starts to open up and talk and talk and then starts to cry and pounds my desk and then takes some Kleenex and then pounds my desk again, takes more Kleenex and crying. And she's just unloading. She's venting, she's unloading, she's angry, she's frustrated, she's perturbed. She's going on 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And after about a half hour, about a half hour, she gets up and she says, thank you, Father, because you have resolved my problem. No, I never even I never even opened up my mouth. But I didn't I did not even have the intention of doing that. Because I know that this woman was filled with so much frustration and anger that she just wanted to unload. And I was just ready there, ready there listening to her unloading, sure venting. And she got up with consolation. So one things is to simply listen to others. To listen to others. And I'd just like to make a note uh, uh, Bev Flores has posted on the margin uh, several of the links that I have 
And you probably know on my website, I've got a lot. I have videos. I have blog articles. I have podcasts. And they're pretty well organized. I've been doing this for about 11 years. So there's actually thousands of talks in Spanish and English. I write an article almost every week. You can get it in Spanish. And what I do is uh, I'm live on Facebook and then this goes to my YouTube. Then I will make podcasts because those who prefer maybe they're in the car or taking a walk, they just like to hear one of the talks I've given. So there you have a, a wealth of resources and thank you to Bev. She's actually compiled the whole list. Easy just to get into my website. But you can you can share this to others. Share it with others. So thank you, Bev, and let's keep spreading the good news. The responsorial psalm, so what I'm doing, I'm just taking one, usually one idea from the reading, and the, the, the idea I've, to, I've taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, is comfort, give comfort to my people. So we have received, we have received comfort from the Holy Spirit. Let's make it, Let's make it a point that we'll try to comfort and console others. Especially those who are going through, through physical suffering, maybe mental suffering. It might be emotional suffering. It might be the death of a loved one. Often, obviously as priests we do funerals, I, I think I've got two funerals this week, later on in the week. It's not uncommon that people, when they lose their husband, maybe their wife, it could be their mother, their grandmother, it might even be um, some parent or relative. It isn't uncommon that people become angry. And sometimes they can become even angry at God. They can become angry even at God. That's uh that's uh it's not 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 too uncommon. And one of the things I do and uh, you might even remember this when someone is really downcast, disheartened because of the death of a loved one, is I try to point to the Blessed Virgin Mary. I try to point to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In this sense, Mary lost her husband. St. Joseph passes away. When did he die? We don't really know. But the last time we see St. Joseph in the Bible is when Jesus is lost and found in the temple when he's 12 years of age. 
So after Jesus is found in the temple with Mary and Joseph, we don't see him, we don't see Saint Joseph anymore. We don't see Saint Joseph anymore. So Mary lost Saint Joseph. She lost her husband. Then Mary lost her only son on Calvary. Not only did Mary lose her son, but Mary stood beneath the cross. She stood beneath the cross as Our Lady of Sorrow suffering with Christ. So if there's anyone, anyone who could really understand The suffering of losing a loved one, a husband, a wife, a child, whoever it might be, Mary experiences suffering more than anyone else. So we can go to her and seek consolation in her. So we're talking about consolation. Let's turn to Mary. As we get close to the feast day of Our Lady Guadalupe, I'm giving several catechetical talks on Our Lady Guadalupe. Yeah, she gave two yesterday in Spanish. I told the people that Juan Diego was going through a very difficult time because his uncle was dying. He's running to the city of Mexico to to fetch a priest. Our Lady cuts him off at Monte Tepeyac. And then she says to him, Do not worry. Am I not your mother? I have you on the crossing of my arms. You're always in my shadow. You're present You're present beneath my tilma, my apron, so to speak. So talking about comfort and comfort and comfort, our Lady Guadalupe comforted Juan Diego. And she tell Juan Diego to go to the bishop Juan Zumarraga in the city of Mexico to build the church so that she would be able to listen to the people and hear their prayers and to help them. That's right. That she would be ready to listen to the prayers of the people, to hear their prayers and to help them with their problems so that they would be consoled. So that they would be consoled. So the response of real psalm from Psalm 96, the Lord our God comes with power. That is one of the many attributes of God. God is omnipotent. 
God is powerful. Some of the saints will say that we are most powerful when we are, we are pr- on our knees praying. When we're on our knees praying, that's when we're most powerful. So let us never neglect prayer. That's where we have our power because St. Alfonso said there's no such thing as a person powerful or not powerful, but those who know how to pray. Those who know how to pray to God, they have power because they have God on their side. The Gospel for today is a short Gospel passage, three verses. Jesus says, what is your opinion? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go in search of the stray. If he finds it, amen I say to you, he rejoices more over it than ninety-nine that did not stray. In just the same way, is not the will of your Heavenly Father that one of these little ones be lost. That's the gospel for today. Now, I've never been uh, a shepherd of a of a flock of sheep in the literal sense. But I've often thought if I were a shepherd of a flock of sheep and I had 100 altogether in my flock then if one of those sheep of the 100 were to wander off from the flock I've often thought, well, let him go. I still have 99. Let him go. I still have 99. But that's not the way the Lord sees it. Now, I'd like to tell you a story related to this, the importance of one lost sheep in the eyes of God. I maybe get summing the details wrong, but this this story has very has impressed me over the years. The bishops have to meet the Holy Father. It's called the Visita ad Limanorum, where the bishop vis, visit the Holy Father every several years. So one occasion there was a bishop that was um, in the city of Rome. And he looked in the gut of the street and he saw, looked like a beggar 
in the street, but it was actually one of his companion priests. And the bishop starts to talk to him and said, what happened to you? So this priest had had given up the practice of his priesthood and given into some type of vice and was wandering the streets of Rome. So as the bishop spoke to his companion in the seminary, the bishop went to the Vatican and he met John Paul II. But before the bishop started to talk to the Holy Father about his diocese, he mentioned this priest companion they met on the street. And John Paul II said, go and find him and bring him to me. Bishop said, that's going to be kind of hard because the city of Rome is big. Well, John Paul II, seek him out. So the bishop got up and he was looking for this priest. And finally, he found him. And he brought this this priest who was never no longer exercising his priesthood, living basically as one of those homeless people on the streets, brought him to John Paul II. And John Paul II was waiting for him. And John Paul II had a a banquet. prepared for the bishop as well as for this, so to speak, renegade priest. So, they sat down at the table, and John Paul II was joyful, he was smiling, telling stories. And both the bishop and this renegade priest were very impressed by the social charisma of John Paul II. Just at the the joy, the charisma, the the hospitality, the welcoming presence of John Paul II. So they had a nice meal together. Great conversation. At the end of the meal, Pope John Paul II asked this renegade priest if they could go to an adjacent room because John Paul II wanted to talk to him. And he said, of course, Your Holiness. So the two got up from the table. They went to an adjacent room. John Paul II offer this priest a chair 
In John Paul II, one of the greatest men last century, said to this renegade priest, who was still a priest because once you're a priest, you're always a priest because you have holy orders. He asked his priest if he'd be willing to hear his confession. So the priest was shocked, taken aback at John Paul II, one of the greatest men in the world, now a canonized saint, asked him if he would hear his confession. And the priest, really shocked, said, I hear your confession. Of course, you're a priest. You're a priest always according to the order of Melchizedek. So John Paul II got down on his knees in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He said, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And he went on to confess his sins to this renegade priest. Now, the story's not over. After John Paul II finished his confession and received absolution from this renegade priest, this renegade priest was so impressed by the compassion love and the humility of John Paul II that this priest now turned the table and asked John Paul II now if John Paul II could hear his confession John Paul II said, of course. I am the Bishop of Rome, but I'm your pastor too. So this renegade priest basically given into a life of depravity made his confession to John Paul II. John Paul II gave him absolution. But the story still is not over. The beautiful ending to this story, my friends, is the following. Given that this priest had become one of those homeless vagabonds walking the streets of Rome, John Paul II, who is the Bishop of Rome, decided that he would he would reinstate or reincorporate this priest in a parish, and it would be a parish that would basically be 
doing a lot of work attending the homeless people in a certain section in Rome. So my friends, I thought I would tell you that story because the gospel is the good shepherd leaving the 99 sheep and looking for the one lost sheep. That's exactly what John Paul II did. I think, my friends, one of the essential messages that we have is that Christ loves the whole world. But he loves each and every one of us individually. That's one of the messages. God loves all. God loves all. But all he also he loves each and every one of us individually. If you like, all of you are precious in the eyes of God. So let us pray to the Good Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.